podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. I'm going to start by um, reading you a, a letter from a son to a dad that actually a dad found in his son's room. Uh, it says, Dear Dad, it is with great sorrow and regret that I'm writing this letter to you. Uh, I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I've been finding real passion with Stacy. She, she's so nice. But I knew that you would not approve of her because of her tattoos and her body piercings and her skimpy tight clothes and, uh, and that she's so much older than I am that it's not only my passion for her, but to be honest with you, she's pregnant. Uh, Stacy says that, that we'll be very happy. She, ha- she has a trailer in the woods, a stack of firewood for the whole winter. Um, we're sharing the dream of hopefully having more children. Uh, Stacy has really opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana really doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, we'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasy that we want. In the meantime, we're praying that science will find the cure for her AIDS so that Stacy can get better. But don't worry, Dad. Um, I know I'm only 15, but I, I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you and Mom can get to know your grandchildren. P.S. None of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house, and I just wanted to remind you that there's some things that are worse than the report card that's laying on the kitchen table. How many of you know sometimes perspective helps, right? Um, It could be worse. I guess I'm reading that to just say, I know maybe what you're going through might be really painful, but the truth is it really could, it really could be, it really could be worse. Plus that makes some of you feel better about your kids, right? (laughs) This is what I know. Life is all about relationships. Everything in our lives revolves around relationships, uh, whether it be our friends, you know, co-workers, boyfriends, girlfriends, roommates, family, uh, spouses, kids, parents. Again, think about it. Life really is all about relationships, and it's in your relationships. That, that's really what shapes your life. You, you are the sum total of your relationships, good or bad. You are who you are, and you are where you are because of the relationships in your life. And here's the truth. When your relationships are good, then your life is good. But when your relationships are bad, then your life is really bad. And for so many of us in all of our campuses, this is where the struggle really is. The struggle is really real when it comes to our relationships. 
But the good news here today is that God's Word gives us a lot of help when it comes to our relationships. Now, last week, we looked uh, at the importance of not going it alone. I, I can't stress this enough. If you were not here last week, I don't know that I've ever preached a more important message than that that message last week. And here's the cool thing is it's free of charge. You can go on our website. You can download it. This is a message that will help you in succeeding in life. We talked about, uh, about uh, it's not wise to go it alone, that God has built you for relationships, that you need to learn to do life with, with, with people. And then we really dealt with this matter that everybody needs these three relationships. You need a Samuel, you need a Jonathan, and you need a Nathan. I'm here to tell you, if you weren't here or if you were here, get that message and listen to it because it's the difference between failure and success in your life. But today, we're going to talk about uh, relational wounds. We're going to talk about some hurt, and we're going to talk about some, some pain. Uh, before we do that, let's, let's do a little health survey today uh, in all of our campuses, if you would participate. Uh, how many of you have ever broken a bone in your life? Lift, lift your hand. Anybody ever broke? Oh, yeah. Almost there. Look at all these broken bones. How about more than two bones? How about more than two bones? More than five bones? Wow, a lot of people broken a lot of bones, and I'm sure they're in Fresno, Madeira, same way. Uh, you know what's crazy is that I've actually broken three bones. It's called three toes, <laughs> all at the same time. It's the only bones I've ever broken, but it was three tones and toes, and I don't know if you realize how painful breaking toes can be, especially my toes, because my toes are like fingers. They are like E.T., <laughs> My, my wife, listen, my wife think I have, thinks I have the ugliest toes in the world. It really does concern her. But I was playing basketball, and they kind of got in the way out there, you know, and somebody stepped on them. And I mean, what do you do with broken toes, right? I mean, you can't put cast on a, a broken toe. You just, you just kind of have to live with it until, until, you, until they heal. It was, it's painful. I mean, when you break something, it's absolutely painful. Uh, I know some of you can't get over the E.T. finger. Uh, that's the reason why I have shoes on today. In fact, it's so bad that, that you know, uh, that if we were actually without clothes at our house, now that doesn't happen, but it could happen because it's just me and my wife. So if we were just like going naked, I, I guess it could happen. If we were just like naked in our house and somebody rang the doorbell, the front doorbell, you know the first thing that my wife would do? She wouldn't tell me, put your clothes on. You know what she'd say? Please put your shoes on. Honey, get your shoes on now. She is terrified of my, of my, of my toes. You don't believe me, but she's terrified of my E.T. toes. Uh, how many of you have had more than 30 stitches? Uh, come on, any, anybody? Whoa, we got some people. Check this out, man. There's a story behind that. I'm sure there's some in Madeira, Fresno there. All right, we're going to go a little bit deeper. We won't ask the backstory. How many knife wounds do we have in the house? Knife wounds? Whoa, wow, really? Wow. Wow, check this out. We got some serious people that come to this church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of knife wounds over there in Fresno, too, in Madeira. My goodness. <laughs> All right. Any gunshot wounds? Anybody had any gunshot wounds in the house? Come on. People, uh-oh, hands are going up. Women are, what's, the, what's going on in the church? 
We got some serious people that come to celebration. Gunshot wounds. They're in Fresno, Madeira. That's some serious, serious stuff. Really? Are you serious? Come on, let me see them. Say it again. Gunshot wounds. Check that out. You guys are like crazy. What kind of crazy church do we have? I don't have any gunshot wounds. I gave some gunshot wounds, but I don't have any. I'd rather do the shooting. You know what I'm saying? Anyhow. All right. How many of you have been wounded in the military? Anybody been wounded in the military? Hands up. Hands up. Oh, yeah. Hands are up. Come on. Let's give it up to all of our people, all those that served in the military. Awesome. 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 We love you. Thank God for you. Now, this is what I know. Everybody has been wounded. Everybody has been hurt by a relationship. Um, Perhaps you're here at one of the campuses and you've been wounded by a relational tragedy, Uh, maybe the death of a loved one, Uh, maybe it was premature or an accidental death, or maybe you're here at one of the campuses and you've been wounded by relational strife and rejection. You know, perhaps it was a divorce or a parental abandonment or just broken friendships, broken and fractured families. So many in our, in, 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 here today uh, have experienced that. Or maybe you're here and you've been wounded by relational abuse, physical abuse, um, emotional abuse, maybe the ma- manipulation or the control and anger and criticism of another Or maybe you've been wounded by uh, relational disappointment, their their actions towards you or their decisions or or maybe their health issues that you are having to do. And the list could go on and on and on. But this is what I know. When it comes to relationships, everybody has experienced something, hear me, that has wounded their their heart. Here Here is the reality. Most people don't deal with their relational wounds properly. Hear that. Most people don't. You know, most people think the common wisdom is, is that we'll just let time heal it because we all know that with time, it's just going to go away, right? Wrong. Where where did we get that idea? You see, uh, if you've tried to do that, you understand that time heals nothing. In fact, the Bible says quite the opposite. The Bible teaches us that with time, if you don't deal with it, it just gets worse and worse, and it ends up impacting your life when you don't deal with it properly. So as much as a physical wound could be painful and hurtful, I'm here to tell you a a relational wound, a wound of the heart, a broken heart can, can really, really be a serious issue in our lives, and it's nothing to be Ignored. So let's talk about today the consequences of a wounded heart and what we need to do to bring healing to a wounded heart. This is kind of a two-part. We're going to get into more of the practical stuff next week. I'd encourage you, please don't miss uh, next week as we wrap this whole thing up, just kind of the conclusion and some practical steps. But today, I want us to look at a quick story in the Bible that most people are not familiar with. It's only six short verses about a person that's not really very well known, although his son is very well known. Everybody, most everybody is familiar with Abraham, the father of our faith, the man that God used to birth, right, the whole nation of, uh, of, of Israel, the Jewish nation. But very few people are familiar with Abraham's dad, whose name 
was Terah. And the Bible teaches us something in this short story that is so important when it comes to relational wounds. I want you to see it here in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. It says, this is the account of Terah's family. That's Abraham's dad. Uh, and it's getting ready to show us his, his sons. Terah was the father of Abram. That's before God changed his name to Abraham. He was the father of Abram and Nahor and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. So, so here the Bible says, the genealogy, that Terah had three boys, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And the Bible says Haran was actually the youngest son, and uh, Haran was the father of Lot. So he's old enough. He's got kids. It's just giving you the reference of Lot there because Lot shows up in a few chapters later on in the book of Genesis. Notice verse 28. But Haran died. Haran died. That's, that's, his, that's his son. Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father, now notice this, it's, it's an important fact in the story, while his father, Terah, was still living. So Terah's still alive, but his youngest son, Haran, has, has died. So it's obvious that the death of Haran is, is a premature death, his, his, because the Bible says his daddy's still alive. We all know that, that fathers are supposed to bury their sons. It's not right for, uh, excuse me, it, yeah, it's not right for the, the, uh, the father to be burying the son. It's right for the son, excuse me, to be burying the father. So it's obvious that there is a premature death there. Perhaps it was a, uh, a disease. Perhaps it was an accident. But, 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 the, but this is a serious, serious issue. Um, I'm sure it was painful. It was hurtful. Uh, for Terah, the father, and very painful for the family. I'm sure that we have people here today in all of our campuses that, that you've gone through a situation like this. I know I ha- had a brother, and at the age of 40, uh, he died with, uh, uh, with cancer at the age of 40. I know that was a very painful situation in, in our, our, our life, our, our family. I was very close to my brother. He was also in ministry, and, you know, there wasn't a week that didn't go by that we were talking and calling, and, and, uh, and so at the age of 40, he had three teenage kids and, and a wife, and, and at the age of 40, premature death, he's, he's gone, and, and that was a huge deal for our family, and I can't even imagine what my parents went through as they had to bury their son. It's, it's, it's just not right. It's, it's not what parents uh, typically have to do. And so I'm sure that this is, is very painful, and that's what I'm trying to communicate, that this is very painful for Terah and his family. The story continues. One day, Terah took his son Abram and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, and the Bible, we know, changed, God changes her name to Sarah, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, notice, and moved, moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was headed for the land of Canaan. Now, I know this is a lot of Bible up front, but this is a church, and there's something to be learned here that maybe you've never seen before. So, so catch the story. Terah's youngest son has died. I'm sure that it's a, a tremendous painful event for Terah. And then the Bible says one day, all of a sudden, Terah grabs his family and they, they head for the land of, of, of Canaan. I mean, all of a sudden, we're moving. So it's apparent that something 
must be going on in Tara's life that has called him out of the city that he's lived his whole life, and now he's, he's heading towards Canaan. I mean, you just don't pack up and move. Something has to happen in your life. Now, what's interesting is that Tara, catch this, and then those that read the Bible, you understand this. What's interesting is that Tara is heading towards Canaan. He's leaving the land of Ur where he's lived all of his life, and now he's heading towards the land of Canaan, which, which the Bible tells us is known as the promised land, the man, land that flows with milk and honey. It's the land, actually, that God a few chapters later, calls Abraham to in order to birth uh, the whole Jewish nation. This is really interesting. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, catch this, Terah decides he's going to pack up and he's going to go to Canaan. So here's what I want you to see. It's highly probable that before God called or God told Abraham to go to Canaan, God told Terah to go to Canaan, that the call on Abraham's life was originally the call that was on Terah's life. I believe it was a family call and that Terah was not obedient in doing it because if we were going to find out he settles in a land prior to Canaan, that God eventually has Abraham go to Canaan and the whole Jewish nation is, is birthed. So this is what we know. Terah has experienced the loss of his son. And all of a sudden, Terah says, hey, we're moving, and we're going to move to Canaan. And notice what happens here in verse 31. And he was heading for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. They stopped at Haran and settled there. So now notice they're on their way, but between the two cities, there's a city between the two cities, a city they've got to go through to get where they're going. And it just so happens that they get to the city that is named the same name as his dead son. And the Bible says that Terah stopped there. This is the city they had to pass through to get to where they're going, and it's a city that, 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 that just happens to be named, just happens to be named the same name as, as Tara's dead child, and, and now instead of passing through that, that city, the Bible says, notice, and the Bible says, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now, now, here's what I'm trying to say. Catch this. I've said all this to catch. This is a biblical picture. There, there's no mistakes about this. Here is Terah on his way to Canaan. God's called the family to go there to start this great nation. But before he gets there to Canaan, he has to pass through Haran, which means, which means this, that Terah, before he gets to where he's going, has to face his greatest relational wound. Before he gets to Canaan, he has to deal with his Pain. There's a message in that, and we'll get there in just a moment. But unfortunately, the Bible says that Terah did not get or did not, did not go through Haran, that he settled in that place. In other words, he settled in Haran or he got stuck in the city that is named after his son. He's stuck in his pain. He's stuck in his disappointment. And it's a picture of Terah's wounded heart. He just can't get over the fact 
that Haran is dead. And the Bible says that he settles there, that he stops there, that he doesn't go where, we, where he is planning on going. And then we read this tragic verse, Genesis eleven thirty-two. 32, lived for 200 years, 205 years, and died, and died, notice, while still in Haran. He never gets to Canaan. Terah dies in Haran because he could not deal with the greatest relational pain of his, of his life. This is a picture in the Bible of a relational wound. Here's what I need you to understand at all of our campuses. Some of you are here today, and if we could take the mask off, and if we could be real, we would say, you know what? That unexpected death in my life caused me to die on the inside. And pastor, I'm stuck in a city called grief. For others of you here, you'd say, you know what? That divorce I went through, man, that messed me up. That, that has defined my life. I'm stuck in a, a city called divorce. And others of you, maybe at other campuses, you'd say that that abuse of, of your dad it messed you up. It defines you. And now you're stuck in a city called abuse. Some of you might say, you know, those schoolyard bullies. I know as many years ago, but those schoolyard bullies, they really messed my life up. And now I'm stuck in a city called fear. Come on. Can anybody relate? Others of you, maybe, maybe this is most of us. The broken friendships, that, that betrayal that you went through, man, it really, really hurt you, right? It messed you up, and now you're stuck in the city called brokenness. It's not where you're supposed to be. You were to, supposed to go through it, but you couldn't get through it because now you're stuck in the hurt. You're stuck in the brokenness. You're stuck in the pain of that, that city, that abandonment, some of you would say, by my parents has paralyzed me, and now I'm stuck in a, in a city called rejection and Loneliness, so many people, so many people, so many people are just stuck in life like Tara because of their relational wounds. I love this story because it gives us three things that we can learn concerning our relational wounds. I'm going to give them to you this, this morning. Number one, here's the first one it keeps us from our potential. These are truths, and this is the reason why this is so serious and the reason why we need to talk about it, because if you don't understand it, then you'll just ignore your pain, and you'll think time's going to heal it, and time's not going to heal anything, and, and we need to get healing for that relational wound and that pain, because if you don't, it's going to keep you from your potential. Uh, relational wounds, unhealed keeps us from our potential. This is exactly what happened to Tara. Do you know he never accomplished what God had for him? Uh, he never made it to Canaan. I mean, Canaan's the huge, 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 huge place in the Bible. It's, the, it's called the promised land. It's called the land that flows with milk and honey. It's, it's, it's the land where you'll never have scarcity again, again in your life. It's, it's God's provision. It's God's place for you. He was on his way to a place of promise, and he doesn't make it there because he gets stuck. He gets stuck in Haran. You will never... Get to the place that you are supposed to go if you never deal with the relational wound, if you never deal with that hurt, if you never deal with that pain, if you never deal with that problem. And the reason why is this, is that the pain of relational wounds makes you ignorant. 
It makes you crazy. That's the truth of it. When, when you are wounded, when you have a broken heart, you go crazy. I know you don't like to hear that, but, 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 but you just do ignorant things. That, that, that's not what I say. That's what the Bible actually teaches us. Notice here in Psalm 73, verse 21, Psalm 73, 21, it says, when my heart was grieved, hello, and my spirit embittered, notice I was senseless and ignorant. You do crazy things when you have a broken heart. You make bad decisions whenever you've been wounded. Decisions that keep you out of your promised land. Decisions that keep you from getting to a place called Canaan. The psalmist says, I was senseless and I was, I was ignorant. When you are brokenhearted, when you are wounded, you make crazy, listen, you make crazy, crazy decisions. Listen, when you're in, when you're in pain and when you're hurting, Hear the wisdom of this preacher today. Don't make major decisions in your life. You need to get healed. You need to get a whole because you're getting ready to mess your life up. If you don't hear anything else this morning, please hear this. When your marriage is being attacked, when your friendship is being attacked, when your relationships are being attacked, hear me, it's really not about the other person. It's about the enemy trying to destroy your potential. I know we think it's about our spouse, but it's not about our spouse. I know you think it's about your business partner, partner, but it's not about your business partner. I know you think it's about your boss, but I'm here to tell you it's not about your boss. It's about the enemy stopping you from your potential. Here's the statement. I need need you to hear it today. Every attack of the devil is an attempt to actually derail your purpose. Every attack of the devil. It's really, come on, I know you think it's about them. It's not about the guy who flips you off every day on your way to work. It's not about him. It's not about your coworkers. I know you. It's not about your wife. It's a, listen, there's a bigger picture here. You've got to get it. The enemy will use that hurt. The enemy will use that pain to make sure you get stuck and never make it to the place that God has for you. That's some good preaching right there. We ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The enemy loves to use relational conflict to stop God's potential in our lives, just like he used Haran's death to keep Terah from Canaan. You, you got to hear that. Terah was supposed to go to Canaan, and that's the reason why eventually Abraham did. It was a family. God was using the family to start this nation, but he never makes it there because he just can't get over his issues. Here's the second thing that relational wounds unhealed will do. Number two, pollutes our other relationships. Pollutes our other relationships. We see this happening with Tara once again. If you was to, to read the next chapter, Genesis chapter 12, this is what's remarkable. Abraham had to leave his own dad. God called Abraham away from his own dad. Tara's family got fragmented because he couldn't get over his own issue. Here's what I'm saying. An unhealed relational wound in your life will mess 
you up. It'll mess up the good relationships in your life. It, it'll have a negative impact on your good relationships. I mean, we, we all know this. If we be honest with ourselves, we've all done this. We've taken the pain of one bad relationship and we bring it home to our good relationships. We get in a fight with our boss. We get angry with a coworker. What do we do, husbands? We come home and we take it out on our kids, messing those relationships. We take it out on our wives, right? Because a bad relationship, a hurt and a pain in one relationship will affect other relationships in our life. You've got to know that. It pollutes other relationships. It'll pollute the other relationships in our lives. Hebrews 12, 15 says it this way. A bitter spirit, a bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but notice can also poison the lives of many others. That's why hurt people have a tendency to hurt people. When you're hurting, when you're in pain, you're going to hurt the other good relationships in your life. That's the reason why you need to get healed. That's the reason why you need to not cover it up and say, well, time's going to heal. No, because it's, it's poisoning the other relationships. One bad relationship over here is going to affect good relationships over here. It pollutes our other relationships. When, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, uh, re- re- relationally, when, you're, when you've got that wound, here's what it does. It, it makes you defensive. That's the reason why it messes up other relationships. When you're, when you're hurt, when you've been hurt and, and you've got this wound and it's not being healed, you, you become defensive. Say what? I mean, you just put your wall up. Put a wall around you. You just become defensive in all your relationships. Uh, number two, it makes you distant. It makes you distant. It makes us distant. I mean, because of that wound, now I just hold everybody off. I I don't trust anybody. So I can't have meaningful relationships now. And the most dangerous out of the three that I'm bringing up is this one right here. It makes us demanding. If, I've, if I'm hurt, if I've got a wound, then, then, then here's what I do with that huge insecurity in my life. I start controlling everything. Some of the most insecure people in all the world are, 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 are control freaks. Why? Because, because they've been hurt. And now the way they deal with their relationships is not through love. They deal with their relationships through control. Are you, are you with me? They become dominating and controlling, and, and they become mean with other relationships. Here's, here's the third thing that relational wounds unhealed will do. It destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with God. So not only does it keep you from your potential, not only will it pollute other relationships in your life, but you've got to understand, if you're not, if you're not getting a, if you're not, if you're not dealing with your brokenness, if you're not receiving healing for that brokenness, it, it really is going to affect your relationship with, with, with God. Uh, that relational wound, unhealed, affects your relationship with God. If things are not right, here's what we're saying, between you and people, then things will not be right between you and God. I know that's a difficult concept. It's like, ah, I don't know if I, I really believe that, but that's Bible. If your relationships, hear me, if your relationships are not right with people, then your relationship with God is not right. It's so important to understand what the Bible teaches. It's important to understand that our relationships with God is inseparable from our relationships with people. Did you hear that? Our relationship with God is inseparable from our relationships with people. In other words, here's what the Bible says throughout it. The Bible says you cannot say you love God and not love people. You can't say that. 
You can't say that. You can't go through life and say, me and God are good, and, 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 uh, and, but I hate people. That doesn't work because why? Loving God is loving people. You can't separate them. They go to, together. So if this relationship with people is messed up, it will affect your relationship with with God. If you have an attitude, well, I don't need to fix it here. I'm here to tell you what you don't fix here, what you cover up here, what you ignore here is going to have a, a bearing on your relationship with God because, because to love God means that you've got to love people. Let, let me show it to you in, in the Bible. 1 John 4, 21. Here's what it says, 1 John 4, 21. It says, the command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people You've got to love both. So, you, so this whole thing, well, me and God are good. God understands. I'm just offended. I'm hurt. And, and, and they're just jerks. No, God doesn't understand. Here's what God understands. He, he understands that you need to forgive them and love them and let it go. Because if you don't get that relationship right, I'm here to tell you, it will affect your relationship with God. Because to love God, hear it again, to love God is to love It's to love people. Now, now catch us. We're almost done. We're almost done. But I need you to hear this. Some of you have wondered why you and God have really had a challenge connecting. In other words, you, you, you're in your relationship with God, you really struggle. Sometimes, hear me, sometimes it's because you haven't settled some of those issues with those relationships in your life. Let me show you what, it means, what I mean in the Bible. Mark eleven twenty five. It says, but when you are praying, first, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. See, Jesus is saying, don't come to me until you deal with that relationship that you're angry about, that you're offended about, that you're bitter. Now, now the Bible is not telling you to spend your life with that person. The Bible is not telling you to take them out for coffee, to have lunch. The Bible doesn't say you have to move by them. Thank you, Jesus. But the Bible does say, the Bible does say first, in other words, before this relationship is going to be good, I need you first to go deal with this relationship, and I need you to forgive them. I need you to release them, and I need you to let that wounded heart go. Because if you don't let it go, I'm here to tell you that that unhealthy relationship, that wound and that hurt is going to affect your relationship with God. So before this relationship gets, gets good, God says you need to deal with first this relationship out here. Are you here? Here we see it again in Matthew 6, 14. Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive the failures of others, I like this, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is tough. This is deep. This, this is Bible. But if you don't forgive others, if you stay offended and bitter and mean and you want to see them die and hurt, and, but if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your failures. Here's what we're saying. Your, your relationships with people will determine your relationships or your relationship with God. You need to hear that. My, my relationship, see, if, if I ignore this pain, this wound, this hurt, this issue that I've had with, with people, if I'm not willing to forgive it and let it go, it didn't, the Bible says I don't have to be buddies with that person, but if I'm not willing to get healing for it, 
and deal with and I just ignore and I become embittered by it, it's going to affect your relationship. It's going to hinder that deep intimacy that you could have with God. And I hear so many times, so many people say, man, I'm just, I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling, really connecting with God. And I'm here to tell you, perhaps today, perhaps it's getting that other relationship right that's going to help you connect with this relationship with God. I know, I know we don't think that way, but I'm here to tell you, to love God means that you have to love people. And whether you know it or not, it's really the process of being healed in that brokenness of your life. When you offer that love and you offer, you offer that forgiveness, I'm here to tell you, a relational wound left unhealed it's going to keep you from your potential. It's going to pollute other relationships. Some, some of you, your, 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 your kids and your family and your wives, your husband have gotten the, 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 the blunt of your, of your bad relationships. It's, it's, going to, it's going to mess everything up in your life. That's the reason why we need to get healing in your hearts. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't get healing in that area, it's also going to affect your relationship with God, there's going to be a disconnect to, to, to love God is to love people. I'm going to show you one more verse in this point. It's my wife's favorite verse. That's the reason why I'm going to show it. In 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, in the same way. Everybody say, in the same way. Now, <laughs> that means, what that means is that the verses previous to this verse, it's talking about the wife's responsibility to the husband. But my wife won't let me share that part today, so I'm just going to share the husband's responsibility to the wife. But it does say, now, if we were reading it, you'd find out that wives are supposed to submit to their husband. I like that. Not getting any amens in here. That's the reason why my wife didn't want me to share it. And we just got a bunch of wimpy men out here who won't help me with an amen, speak it, preach it, tell the truth, do something, Right? I mean, if you was to read those verses before this verse in the same way, it's telling the wives that their responsibility, that they need to, they need to, they need to bring breakfast to, to, the, to, to, to the husband in bed. I mean, they need to come on. I, I need some help. If you was to read the previous verses, it would, it would tell the wives, it would tell the wives to give, to give your husbands, you know, we're talking about marriages now. We're talking about married people to give him all the sex that he wants because, because tough crowd over here. Hope Fresno's enjoying that. I'm sure the fun o'clock service is really enjoying that. But, but, but you wives, you need to go home and you need to read that. And you men, you need to get some, mm-hmm, and help your pastor out a little bit. Get some, you bunch of wimps around here. Come on, all the men shout yes. Yes. That's better. Notice here, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Notice here, she may be weaker than you are. <laughs> in some cases, that's not the truth for some of you. <laughs> but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Notice this. Here's, my, here's the part my wife wanted me to read. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Come on, that's some good stuff. Come on, somebody. Well, what's the connection? What, what's the connection? The connection is this, is that 
if I mistreat my wife, God's not even hearing my prayers because my relationships with other people, listen, has a bearing on my relationship with God. You cannot separate them. To love God is to love people. To love God is to love people. So three things we learn from a wounded, broken heart. It keeps you from your potential, messes up the other good relationships, and it really affects your relationship with God. Next week, we're going to get into some real practical steps of what we need to do. But here's what I want to do as we close today, because some of you, this has been tough just to hear it, just to listen to it, just to come face to face with your, your issue. But this is what I I need you to know there's good news here today because God specializes in healing broken hearts. If you're hurting, if you're in pain, if you have some unresolved issues and some wounds in your life, I'm here to tell you God specializes in healing broken hearts. And He can do it before you ever get out of this service today. You don't even have to have the practical steps. God can come in and bring such healing. I'm telling you, sudden healing into the areas that are so painful for you. Notice what it says here in in Psalms 147, verse 3. It says, He, God, is the healer of the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. He is the one who bandages their wounds. Is anybody excited about that? Come on. Come on. I I hope you're connecting the dots here. In other words, we're not just going to allow time try to heal our brokenness. We're going to allow God. God's the healer of that brokenness, that pain, that, that issue. God wants to heal your heart so you don't get stuck in a place that you're not supposed to be. He wants you to get to the place that he has promised you. He wants you to arrive in Canaan. Here's our last verse of the day in Psalms 34, 17. Is anyone crying for help? Uh, I think that's the action point today. Is anyone crying for help? Hey, with that pain on the inside, if we could take off the mask and we could be real with what really has hurt us, the, the relationships, the situation, here's what God would say to you today. Is anyone crying for help? Because God's listening. I'm here to tell you, there's healing before you get out of this room today. Before we dismiss this service, I'm here to tell you, we can pray in just a moment in that hurt and that pain. God is a miracle worker. He says, he says God is listening, the psalmist said, ready to rescue you. Here's what you need to know. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. So, so, that, so that means some of you are saying, man, I don't know where God is. I'm here to tell you God is right there. He's right there in that pain. He's right there in that disappointment. He's right there in the place that you have been stuck. God is right there. And what he's asking you to do is to open your mouth and say, oh, God, would you help me? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and Bow your heads on all of our campuses. I do this every week, and I just ask you to take a moment before we rush out of here and get busy with the rest of our lives that, that you just ask the question as you're 
taking this moment as you're quiet before God, as God's doing a work in all of our lives, would you just ask, ask the question, God, what does this what does this message have to do with me? What, what is it that I need to do, God? What, what are you saying to me and what has been spoken here today? Maybe God wants to talk to you about a relationship that you just have not let go, that you need to forgive, that you need to allow God into. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's different for all of us. But I'm here to tell you that, that God has something that he wants to speak to you so that he can bring healing into your life. And while we're doing that here in this campus and at all of our campuses... You know, the greatest relationship that you could ever have is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible's very clear that Adam's sin became humanity's sin, and it separated us from a loving God. That sin in our life has separated us from a relationship with God. And if you're here in this campus or at all of our other campuses, and you're not right with God, and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted what he did upon that cross, taking your sin, you've never called upon him to be your Lord and Savior. I believe there's people here in Clovis and there in Fresno and Madeira that need to make that decision today. Simply said, if you was to die right now, do you know where you would spend eternity? I'm here to tell you there is heaven and there is hell. And you make the decision where you will spend eternity. I'm here to tell you, the Bible teaches us all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The most important relationship that needs to be healed is a relationship with the Father God. If you're here today at this campus or at our other campuses and you're not right with God, sin separates you from a loving God. I'm here to tell you, we can pray a prayer and today can be a brand new beginning of the rest of your life. As I look all over this congregation, believers praying at all of our campuses, if that's you and you want to be right with God, you want to receive him as Lord and Savior, you want to call upon his name. As I look all over this campus, would you just raise your hand, say, Pastor, that's me. Would you lead me in that prayer? Just lift it up and hold it up just for a moment. Hands going up in every section of this building. I believe there's hands going up there in Fresno, hands going up there in Madeira. Come on, this is exciting. Hands are up and this is, God is getting ready to work a miracle in your life. He is restoring relationships. You can put your hands down. I want to ask you to pray this prayer, but listen to me. It's more than praying a prayer. It's meaning it with everything on the inside of you. Today, we're going to get right with God. So if you lifted your hand or should have lifted your hand, everybody praying this prayer, come on, give me some noise in this place as we pray. Say, the, say Father God. Say it again. Say, Father God. Today, I give you my life. Father, forgive me of all my sins. I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart. I receive him as my Savior, and I make him my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. So many prayed that prayer. In just a moment, campus pastors are going to come back, but I want to pray one last prayer. I believe in moments. Come on. Does anybody else believe in moments that God can change it forever? 
But those that prayed that prayer in just a moment, they're going to give you some further instructions about what, you're going, what you need to do so we can pray for you all week long. But I'm excited because here's what the Bible says. When you prayed that prayer, what God has begun in you today, he is faithful and committed to seeing it completed in your life. This, listen, this is a brand new chapter of the rest of your life. Something has changed on the inside once you called upon the name of the Lord. And I celebrate that fact with you. God bless you and thank you. I believe great things are ahead for you, man. Just one more time. Give that up. So exciting. So many hands. How many of you, this is helpful. This has helped you today. Come on, do you receive this today? I don't know if we realize how important our relationships are, but I'm here to tell you, time's not going to heal anything. But God's right here. Hear me at all of our campuses. God is right here right now to rescue us from that pain of a relational wound. Come on, let's pray. Father, I reach out and I pray, God, for those here in Clovis, those in Fresno, Madeira, that you would, that you would work a work that no man can work. God, I pray in this moment that the healing of the Holy Spirit would begin to flow into the deepest parts of our lives. God, those areas that we have said is off limits, God, we open them up to you today. God, you are the only one that can heal our brokenness. And God, we do what your word says. We cry out to you. God, we had no idea you were right there in that brokenness. But God, we cry out to you right now, and we're asking you to heal those hurts and those pains, that you bring restoration and that you bring healing. And that, Father, where we have been stuck, we declare today that you are getting us unstuck and that we're up and going on to the place that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, our best days are ahead of us. We declare, I declare over your people today, God, a better life than ever before, than ever dreamed of. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.